you guys get the extra sermon on accountability. You know, I don't know if you know, but we do fostering and we, we got a, a, a three-month-old baby given to us a fortnight ago. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't told that she's not too well and she'd been in hospital twice before with bronchiolitis and four days after we got her, she was back in hospital with her third bout of bronchiolitis. She came out on Wednesday from hospital and the doctors said to us something horrendous. They said, just for the next few days, you need to keep her on two early feeds. I thought, okay. Is that at night time as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we can't fill up her stomach because it'll put pressure on her lungs. So we need to have a little bit of fluid, a little bit often. And unfortunately, Bethany heard that. And Bethany has held myself and Stella accountable. <laughs> and uh, at 12 o'clock at night, at 2 o'clock in the morning, at 4 o'clock in the morning, at 6 o'clock in the morning, we have to get up and give little Daisy her two early feed. So I've not slept for more than an hour, an hour and a half at once for the last four nights. So if I fall asleep during, during our time together, you'll know why. But accountability is a good thing. And this morning we're going to look at why, you know, it's mentioned in the Bible. But accountability, understand this, is not negative. It is completely positive. It's about helping each other be the best we can be. I'll say that again. It's about helping each other be the best we can be. It's not about judgment. It's not about one-upmanship. It's not about guilt. We, we read that in a reading. You know, it's not about guilt. It's not about failure. There's a line that I use often with my children and with my wife. And, I, and the line that I use is this is about you being the best you you can be. No comparisons here. This is about you being the best you you can be. So you don't judge yourself or compare yourself to somebody else and how great they are or how terrible they are. We're not interested in that. We as individuals in this situation are interested in you being the best you that you can be. With all your skills, with all your foibles, with all your hassles, with all your lack of sleep, yeah, this is about you being the best you you can be. And that's a good thing. Because I want to encourage you that it's good for you to be the best you that you can be. Yeah? With whatever lot you've got, whatever skills, whatever you know, history you've been given, accountability is about helping you excel in who you are. And that's what we're looking at this morning. You know, my son Ben uh, is a, a personal trainer. I know you think, what? You mean Joe? No, I mean Ben. Ben's a, a, been a personal trainer for the past year and he's been at home this week and, and he says, you know, you know I, I was doing my, my, my research and doing my typing he's asked me what I'm doing I was telling him and he said, that's my job. He said, that is my job. You know, Ben sits down with an individual and discusses the goals, discusses what they want to be, what they want to achieve and his job is to motivate them and to help them achieve what they want to be. And he tells them off, and he texts them, and he encourages them. But when he tells them off, he's telling them off because they are not doing what they say they want to do. 
They're not helping themselves achieve what they want to achieve. And accountability is not negative in that respect. He's not been negative. He's saying, no, this will not help you achieve and you be the person that you want to be. This will not help you get to your goals. And he holds that person accountable so that they can excel, so they can achieve their goals. And that's no different for us in church. I want to encourage us this morning, and we're going to go through three different ways that we can help each other to hold each other accountable so that we can be the best version of ourselves. Is that a good goal? For you to be the best version of yourself. Now understand that again. Yeah, This is not a comparison. This is not a competition. This is about you being the best version of yourself. Whatever that looks like. And us helping each other to do that. If you were here last week, you remember Steve speaking. And he talked about Adam. And in Genesis it says it's not good for Adam to be alone. And that wasn't saying that we all have to get married. It was saying it's not good to be alone. Human beings were not built for solitude. They were built for companionship. They were built for friendship. They were built for fellowship. And fellowship and friendship and companionship is good. And it's in that situation that we find accountability. Or we can find accountability. Not judgment, not gossip, but accountability. And on that basis, we're going to look at how companionship or fellowship or friendship can help us in this. It's how God designed us to be. Not to be in isolation, but to get support from church family. And we are church, aren't we? And we want the best for each other. I want Jean to be the best Jean that Jean can be. And that will be different from Joan. Not a big difference, just an E to an O, but you know, you know it'll be different. You know, we all are individuals. So, let's look at three ways. The first way I want to look at is friendship. I want to look at excelling in friendship. Now, I I had done a fancy PowerPoint slide, but uh, it it hasn't worked out because of our new system. So I've got four points, which should be a slow reveal, but they're all going to come up at once, aren't they, Kegs? Aren't they, Kegs? The four points are going to come up now on the screen. There we go, there we go, there we go. So we're going to look at at friendship here. I want to just pick up four different aspects of friendship or Christian friendship. Christian friendship should uh, be different from from non-Christian friendship because we have God in the middle of the friendship and the Holy Spirit helping us in this friendship. So four points to go through. Christian friends. Now I want you to consider this on both aspects. I want you to consider this as the person receiving and the person giving. So when it comes to accountability, I want you to think, how do you marry up on receiving this and giving this? So the first point is loving sacrificially. John chapter 15 and verse 13 says this, Greater love has no one than this, than he'll lay down his life for his friends. I think you'd say that is loving sacrificially, wouldn't you? I think that's that's the dizzy heights of friendship. You know, having a friendship with somebody where you're willing to sacrifice your gain for them. Sacrifice, you know, your life for them. Sacrifice your pleasure for them. Where you're putting somebody else ahead of yourself. We obviously have, you know, the the example of Jesus as the, the pinnacle example of what he did for those he loves. 
But Christian friendship should have a high calling. So when it comes to Christian friendship, the question is, do we love our friends sacrificially? And I use the word friends as opposed to those we're in fellowship with. Picking up Steve's point again from last week. I would believe, and psychology would also suggest this, that uh, men are lucky if they have more than, than two friends. And, and women, uh, maybe up to four, believe it or not. You know, not acquaintances, not those we're in fellowship with, but close, intimate friends. You know, time is difficult. 24 hours in a day is difficult to do what I'm going to do with 15 people. You can't do it. You cannot have 15 intimate friends. You can have 15 people that you got on great with, that you're in fellowship with, that you love to spend time with, that are your mates, but they're not close, intimate friends. So I'm not challenging you here to try and think of 20 people that fit this criteria, but maybe one or two. Maybe one or two. And in this situation... In this situation, you're helping each other be the best people they can be. We're told in Philippians chapter 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. And by valuing your friend's needs above your needs, you're mimicking what Christ did. So Christian friends... Love sacrificially. And I suppose the question for us is, do we do that? Can you think in your own head of a friendship you've got where you put their needs above your needs? Second point is Christian friends accept unconditionally. Proverbs 17 and 17 says this, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And what that uh, saying there from that Proverbs is that, you know, is that a friend loves you and accepts you with your weaknesses and imperfections. They love you at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. When things go wrong, are your friends still there? Are they friends? And obviously the question is, are we a friend in that situation? Or do we judge harshly? Do we hold on to bitterness? Do we hold on to, to uh, failures in, in our friends? If we are people that do that, we'll struggle to have friends long term. You'll find that people may not want to be your friend, you know, if you're somebody that when they trip up, you pounce on them like a, a ton of bricks. We all make mistakes. And we're told in Proverbs, you know, that, that Christian friends, you know, will, will accept unconditionally. And the question is, does that reflect us in our character? You know, is that a trait that I see in myself with my friends or they see in me? A good friend is, is quick to forgive and quick to ask for forgiveness. How do you marry up on, on that account? Third point, a, a, a Christian friend, a good trait, trusts completely. Proverbs 18 says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now that, that one uh, line has two different points to it. It reveals that you know, a, a true Christian friend is trustworthy. 
You know, a Christian friend will stick closer than a brother. Christian friends are trustworthy. Christian friends won't let you down. And obviously you flick it the other way. Am I a person that is trustworthy and won't let my friends down? You know, do I hold that trait? But it also reveals the point that I mentioned before. A man of many companions may come to ruin. You know, when it comes to trusting somebody completely, you know, you can't trust a hundred people completely. You don't reveal your deepest secrets to a hundred people. That will make you come to ruin, as the proverb says. You know, you, you reveal that to your two or three or four or one or two or three close, intimate friends who you can trust completely and know that they will hold you in that situation and support you. Are you somebody that's known as a person that people can speak to and, and be, be trusted? Who you'll understand and support? Is that one of your traits? Have you got that trait of Christian friendship? And finally on Christian friendship, and this, this is a, a tough one, this, but we're told that, uh, in Corinthians chapter 13 that love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, and it carries on. But Christian friendship keeps healthy boundaries. We, we can have a, a friend, friendship which gets twisted, which ends up in bitterness, which ends up in envy, which can be smothering. And that's not a friendship, that's a different relationship. It's not a healthy relationship. And a Christian friendship, you know, keeps healthy boundaries. Friendship can sometimes slip into an abusiveness. Where, where one person has got a power scenario. Well, that's not friendship, isn't it? When there's a power abuse taking place, we've lost the idea of friendship. So we have to be careful that, you know, that we are people who understand healthy boundaries. Christian friendships won't get in the way and interfere in marriage relationships. They'll understand their boundaries and where they go and where they don't go. And we have to be aware of that and consider that. Uh, and once again the question is where are you on that scale do you understand the boundaries of friendship are you somebody who, who encourages them and you're somebody aware of them in your relationship with others so that's the, the four things about friendship if we are Christians and we've got a few Christian friends and we're exercising this kind of friendship loving sacrificially accepting unconditionally trusting completely and keeping boundaries, that kind of friendship will hold each other to account and help each other flourish. But that's the base level of accountability. That is not the, the top. That, that's the base level of helping each other, but it's a kind of slightly subconscious level. It's a, not a proactive level. It's the consequence of you living out a Christian life in good Christian friendships. So let me pick up two other points that are very proactive that I want to encourage you with these two other points that you may leave today and think, I'm going to do that this week. I'm going to put into place these two things that Rob's mentioned. So the first one is mentoring. So mentoring is a, is a different kind of relationship. It's not friendship. It's not about friendship mentoring. Mentoring is about uh, either... Well, once again, you can either be a mentor or a mentee, somebody who's receiving mentoring or somebody who's giving mentoring. Let's, let's start from the fact that, you know, you're somebody who's receiving mentoring. 
You know, that's when you're receiving teaching, when you're receiving counselling, when you're receiving uh, discipline from an, an other Christian. And you may think, uh, that's something I, I need to help hold me accountable. I want to search out somebody to mentor me. I want to search out somebody to develop me. I want to have a mentoring relationship with someone. And the opposite may be that you may be somebody with experience and skills and all that kind of stuff. And you may be willing to mentor somebody. Now don't confuse that with friendship. That's definitely on the fellowship side of scales as opposed to the, the friendship side of scales. You do not have to be busy mates with somebody that, that you're mentoring or receiving mentoring from. But mentoring uh, uh, is, is a powerful way of helping you stay accountable. Of, of, of helping you develop skills in a certain area. Uh, whatever that area may be, you may see that there's, you've got a, a lack in X area of your life and you enter a mentoring relationship for a time to fix that, to develop that. And in that mentoring relationship, you'll be held accountable in that relationship. You want to be held accountable because you want to develop in that area. That's what Ben does, you know, when it comes to losing weight and getting fit. He, he mentors the person in that area. And we can have that in all different aspects of our life. And spiritual aspects and character trait aspects and whatever it may be, we can have a mentor to help us in that area. And once again, you, you, can, you can have it the opposite way around. You can be somebody who mentors. You have to make sure that in this area that you respect the boundaries of that relationship, you know, and if you ask somebody who is mentoring, that you're able to debrief and actually have somebody to, to help you with the weight of mentoring. Uh, but be aware that there's a tendency when, you, when you're uh, being mentored to want that relationship to grow into something else. Well, that's not what that relationship's about. It's a mentoring relationship. It's not a friendship. Uh, it's a mentoring relationship. But fantastic to utilise and you may want to do that this morning. You may think of an area in your life that you really want to develop and therefore you want to enter into a mental relationship with somebody. This final one is something that I would encourage everybody to get involved in. See, this is your water that I got for you, but, but I'm having it. Uh, too late. And this final area is a, an accountability buddy or a, an accountability friend. I'm going to ask you a question. How many people have got somebody that they meet with once a fortnight, once a month, once a week, sit down with them and go through a, an accountability process of how they're doing with their spiritual and their, their personal life? How many, how many people have got that? Yeah, whatever, right? So the, I, there's about five hands up there. I would really encourage that every single person has this. Uh, sometimes you can do it in group. That's great. I, I would suggest the best is one-on-one. -on -one, you know, but having it in a group format you know, is categorically miles better. You know, not doing it as zero... Group is 90%, one-on-one is probably 100%. So I'm not knocking it, you know, doing it in a group. But there's so much temptation out in this world 
There's so much temptation in here in my heart. You know, I don't have to look outside. And an accountability body is, is there to hold you accountable to help you be the best you that you can be. That's their job. Now, accountability body has to be somebody that you trust implicitly. Because you're going to reveal your innermost secrets, your innermost thoughts, your innermost temptations, your hassles in your life that you've got. You're going to reveal that to that person. Because that person is there to help you be the best you you can be. And you cannot do that if you're lying about who you are to them and to yourself. Yeah. So your accountability buddy is somebody that, once again, you've got to trust implicitly because you're going to meet and you're going to go on a journey with them. Proverbs 27 says this, verse 17. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens his friend's countenance. And our reading today said this. Let us consider how we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Yeah, How we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. I want to encourage you that that every Christian should have an accountability body. In fact, to be honest, every person alive should have an accountability body if they want to be the best person they can be. We're told in, um, Paul says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Somehow sharing with each other helps you obey the laws of Christ. Sharing helps you uh, achieve your goals. But Ben said to me, and I wrote it down and then I've left it at home. He said to me, when you've got an accountability body, he says, the lows are never as low and the highs are more pleasurable. That's interesting that. And what he's getting at is that when you've got an accountability buddy and you've got an issue that you share, you know the old expression, what is it? A problem shared is a problem halved. You know, it's that idea that when you're going through something tough with somebody, it's easier. The lows are never as low. But when you achieve something great and you've got something to share it with, it's even better. Uh, so, Proverbs 12 says this, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is one who listens to counsel. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. I don't need any help. I can do it by myself. I know everything. Yeah, The way of a fool looks good in his own eyes, but a wise man seeks counsel. That was Solomon who wrote that. The wisest man around says, seek counsel. Because counsel makes you wise. So I want to get really, really practical when it comes to having a a buddy. So number one is find somebody of your own sex. So, you know, if you're confused, if you're a woman, that's a a woman. If you're a man, that's a man. Yeah, that's what I mean by that. Yeah. Seek out somebody of your own sex, not your, uh, obviously that would be impossible. Uh, No, it wouldn't. Not Not your marriage partner. You know, you know, your accountability buddy cannot be your wife. Not cannot be. I would categorically suggest that your accountability buddy is not your wife or your husband. You know, because there's things you know that cause issues with that. You want somebody that's a slightly separate from you to be able to hold you account. And then uh, a, a, 
once you've done that, once you've agreed with somebody, you know, they may, it may not be mutual. So it's better if it can be, as in you're holding them account and they're holding you account. But it doesn't have to be that way. But if it does, great, or all the better. But then you have to agree to meet regularly. You have to put the time in the diary. This is vitally important. This appointment, this booking, is at the core of you being the person you want to be. It's at the core of you being the best you you can be. You have to give it time. You have to book it in your diary for once a fortnight or once every three weeks or once a month, whatever you do it. I would suggest once a week is probably too much, too hard to continue on a long-term basis. Once a fortnight, once a month, you book in a, a time, a good hour. can be at home, can be at a coffee shop, can be anywhere, can be on a beach. You book in, on oh, next slide actually, Kegs, I'm finished mentoring. Are you listening to me? Are you, I finished mentoring ages ago, ages ago. 